For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to Jaber's Drink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to once again be joined by Kevin Klein. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well. The Caps won. They uh, they broke the slump, so that makes you feel pretty good. Yeah. Now, now they they did win. Uh, but would, do you think they've broken the slump, or do you think they finally just kind of got the bounces today? I mean, they obviously played a pretty good game against a pretty bad team. But uh, I mean, I, I'm still a little concerned about how the Capitals have been playing. Uh, I mean, yes, I think the the slump is broken <laughs> in the in the sense of the definition of w- what, what a slump, slump is. is. Jeez, Kevin. All right, fine. Yeah. So now that we've gotten the pedantry out of the way, I would agree <laughs> with you that the uh, the team doesn't look great. I think that some of that is to be expected after the type of run that they went on, winning sixteen out of nineteen. I want to say was what those uh, win totals looked like over the course of the last couple of months. Um, and if you really think about it, I would say that starting back at, uh, I want the national game, uh, was when things started to, to turn. And if you look, they've played four games, they've gotten three points out of those four games, not looking like a very good hockey game or excuse me, hockey team for as bad as they've looked. And for how, I guess, frustrating the last four games or so have looked, uh, it could be worse. You know, they got three points out of it. They went on a, a, an epic tear before it. Um, I think the real issue is what all the other guys in the division are doing. You look at Pittsburgh, you look at Columbus. No one's losing right now. Yeah, no one's losing. And, uh, you know, I guess that that's kind of made it so the Capitals are you know, surprisingly barely in a playoff spot, despite what you said earlier about um, that great run that they went on. So, um, you know, they need to kind of start playing better. And, and, and I guess there's, uh, I thought that Nashville game, the first two periods of the capital, or really the first period, the caps looked very good. 
um, and, and had and then kind of completely fell apart and just kind of looked flat. And I think they've looked flat uh, a lot since. Maybe the Dallas game kind of as an exception. Um, but you know, I, I think a big part of that is just the power play has just not been there to kind of um, cover up for any deficiencies the team's had at five on five recently. Um, what, what are you kind of seeing as what's kind of hurting the power play? And um, I, I guess I'll, I want your opinion first, and I'll kind of get into how I've been diagnosing it. Yeah, sure. So I think that the issue with the power play is that the opposing penalty kills have been kind of pressuring the conventional decision-making points on that power play. So uh, so Backstrom on the half boards, um, Kuznetsov down on the goal line, and to some extent Carlson on the point, and uh, they're just applying a lot of pressure there, and the Caps aren't reacting well. Uh, but even before you even get to that point, it's the zone entries. I don't know what's going on exactly, but they they just do not seem to be able to get in and set up. Um, so to me, those are kind of the 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 problem is the zone entries, but uh, internally, and then like an external factor would be. Um, opposing team seems to have made an adjustment um, uh, for a Capitals power play that's worked for a really long time. And by no means is, is this iteration of, of Blaine Forsyth's power play, you know, over, I think they're just going through a slump, need to introduce a, a few wrinkles here. Um, and, and to that end, you know, I think that it's a little bit frustrating that as this, um, anemia on the power play goes on and on and on. I think they're they're like one for thirty two or something right now. We're we're not seeing a whole lot of new looks on the power play, right? It doesn't necessarily feel like they're making a concerted effort to uh, to break out. It's more like let's just keep going back to the well, and eventually it'll provide water. Um, so I think that's uh, that's a point of frustration for for myself and and for fans in general. What do you think? You know, when I, when I watch it, what's really been bothering me, and I guess it kind of is, is also about wrinkles, is just the the zone entry schemes have just been, you know, awful, I feel like. I, and, and I think it's just Kuznetsov hasn't had the wizardry coming into the zone that he, that he usually does. And, you know, it's not fun to talk about injuries or speculate about injuries or whatever, but he, he is coming back after missing... Uh, missing some time and, and and you know his point production hasn't been there and uh, I don't quite think that his level of play has been quite as good as usual either uh, his amazing assist to Tom Wilson uh, today aside you know um, so I guess I, I'm a little bit worried that there's well you know I, the Cavs power play is going to be the Cavs power play it's got so many different looks um, and, and there's a reason it almost always works right I mean over the years, it's always been very productive, and it's, you know, they add a few wrinkles here and there, but but all in all, the, the system doesn't change that dynamically, season over season. Um, so, I, I think the major issue kind of right now is is more kind of on execution. Um, you know, things just don't look crisp, um, and if the Capitals aren't able to kind of do the entry right, they're not able to get the spacing that they need uh, to be productive, and then also all the issues that you mentioned as well, right? I mean, um, even, uh, 
you know, I was in the car a couple of days ago listening to one of the games, and the um, so I, I had to listen to our I was listening to the away announcers, and they kind of were talking about how the Capitals were just force feeding Ovi on the power play, um, and it definitely kind of is. It's like they're trying harder than usual to give him the puck, um, and I think that's because both Backstrom and Kuznetsov aren't really, uh, you know, they're not they're not producing points on their own, and neither is Ovechkin right now. So um, I think they really have to kind of get that threat from the right side of the ice going again uh, to help spread stuff out, um, because you know without that, uh, the goalie's going to be able to cheat on Ovi all day, and uh, no matter how good of a sniper you are, um, goalies are pretty big, and they're gonna they're gonna block a lot of those shots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Make it, make an adjustment. Um, try out some new things. Basically, try to catch the the penalty kill leaning. You know, if you will indulge that metaphor, um, and, and until things right themselves. I mean, it's been good enough for long enough that you can feel confident that it will ultimately return to form. But in the interim, you would like to see some sort of uh, you know, I guess optical evidence that the, that the team is is working to that end, uh, which is not to say that they're not, but we can only work with what uh, our eyes and what the what the data tells us. But you know, to your point about Kuznetsov, um, I think that it's sort of and to tie it into our our general kind of musings about the team's play over the the last two weeks or so, I think that it kind of comes down to Kuznetsov on one level, but the centers in general on another, you know, uh, in our, in the, the Japers rink chat that we maintain, um, kind of stream of consciousness. Uh, JP pointed out that it's been over a month now in which we've seen only two, uh, even strength goals from centers. Um, or, or maybe it was even all situations goals. And both of those came from Eller, and one of those was on Friday. So we are not seeing uh, at least goal scoring from guys like Backstrom and Kuznetsov, who, while aren't known for lighting the lamp, are certainly a part of Washington's primary scoring. So, you know, it's about getting those guys going, I think. And, and, and that goes, you know, it applies to both the power play and the even strength, just because that's the level of, uh, of of clout that guys like that have when it comes to the offensive production for the Caps. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. Um, you know, you talk about guys that you kind of need to step up, right? And it's surprisingly it's not the guys in the bottom six that have been struggling at all, right? I mean, we're seeing production from, uh, you know, Connelly's been Boyd. a lot. Yeah, Travis Boyd, a uh, big goal today. Um, while playing with... You know, I, he was on the ice with some big guns there, right? But um, generally speaking, um, well, he's got eleven points in twenty-two games. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. That's, I mean, he's yeah, production for a guy like that. Yeah, it's, well, it's great. I mean, you can you can be a second liner and get points like that in the NHL. I mean, that's people think that's low, but it's it's really you know depending on how much time you're getting, um, you know, it is not unreasonable um and I, and I think that's kind of stuff that we'd like to see more of from uh players that we think are a bit more skilled um like andre Burakovsky. uh we've seen good stuff from uh jacob rana i think you know he's still kind of he he just looks great he's kind of taken that next step this year um and really carried over his playoff performance 
But as you said, centers are the guys that aren't coming through. So really, we're talking about Backstrom and Kuznetsov, right? So, um, and, and Eller as well. So I, I hope we can kind of get more out of those guys moving forward. Um, really being the Capitals, not not me personally. Realizing I said R. Uh, but, you know, it is it is what it is, Kevin. I, I'm sorry I don't got a lot more for you on the centers, but, um, you know, they haven't had a lot for the team either, so maybe it, that's all fair. Do you, uh, you mentioned Burra. Do you want to talk about Burra's string? Do we, do we you have can, to? Yeah, you can continue to pretend like you don't, but uh, I know this is where you where you butter your bread. Uh, no, right. so, so here, I want to I want to flip the script. Right. I want to I want to flip the script and play host for a second here and uh, and put you on the spot. And as the trade deadline you know approaches, we're what a month and a half away or so. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that the Washington Capitals should think about shipping out Andre Burakovsky? Um, and and feel free to muse about you know what you would expect in return and 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 what the Caps might be looking for in return on something like that. But I want to center it around Burakovsky because he's interesting in the sense that he's got upside, he's young, and so you can understand why another team might be interested in adding them to the mix. Uh, but you know, as as a couple guys who follow the Caps really closely, we can also understand why the team might be ready to ship him out. So uh, that's the per- the question I want to present to you. You know, if I were the Capitals right now, I would be. I think I'd be about ready to let him go, uh, and I feel like that because I I don't think you're going to get value back uh, for a guy like Burakovsky. I I don't think this is a great year for. For rental players, I think they're the rental player class is is almost. Um, I just think it's going to be expensive, uh, and it's going to cost more than Burakovsky uh, to kind of get anybody. Um, and you know, Burakovsky can provide a lot of great things, but he's not. You know, I, I he just hasn't been able to do it consistently here in Washington, specifically since his hand injuries. Um, you know, I wrote about it about a month ago, and then um, Peter Hassett wrote about it at Russian Machine. I mean, there's there's just something there uh, with him, and if I was another team, I'd be hesitant. Um, a team that, you know, there are teams out there that might want to take a risk on him, um, or take a gamble, I guess. Um, you know, some of these kind of rebuilding teams that might want um, kind of, a young potential scorer, right? He's not going to, he's probably not going to come in more than he's getting paid right now. Um, you know, so, you know, expect about a $3 million cap hit, let's say next year for him. Um, you know, maybe a team like Vancouver, uh, you know, they, they were supposedly sniffing around earlier or, um, you know, even, even like an Arizona or something like that. Um, but you know, there just aren't a lot of pieces uh, on those teams that you think are going to make the caps better. And when you think about it, it's and to be you know full disclosure, I think my biggest reason that I'm like okay, they can just get rid of Burakovsky is because I'm just tired of talking about him. Like he hasn't put it together, and it's been you know you can only bang a guy's drum for so long, and he you know occasionally he puts it together and you feel vindicated, but the rest of the time it's he's an exhausting player to to, to watch sometimes. I mean you you just every time you th- you think you're gonna quit, he just brings you back in. So. Yeah, no, I I'm kind of with you. Um, I think that Burra is a classic case of 
um, maybe he could. It, it, it's just going to take a change of scenery for him to to hit his stride. It sort of seems like it's not going to happen here for for whatever reason. Um, and and so to that end, you know, I'm all for the Caps extracting whatever value they can out of him. I mean, you don't want to trade him for pennies on the dollar or anything like that. But uh, if you have an opportunity to improve the the middle six at the trade deadline, and, and Burakovsky is a integral piece of, of that conversation with other teams, you know, I, I wouldn't be crestfallen if that were to happen. But, you know, to kind of move the conversation away from Burra, because as you've expressed, you're a little tired of it. Um, what I think maybe we can talk a little bit more generally about what the team might be looking for uh, and what their mindset might be sort of heading into that deadline period. You know, we're, we're in January here. It's thing, the way things are shaking out. You're sort of understanding who's going to be a buyer, who's going to be a seller. Um, and then the Caps have sort of an, a really interesting situation where they're the defending cup champs. Uh, they know that they have a limited window with uh, Backstrom and Ovechkin and Holpe's contracts, you know, coming up against the wire here. Um, and so I guess what I would like to talk about is is where you think uh, this team might be targeting uh, on the deadline. You know, I, I think if the Capitals are trying to make an acquisition, um, you know, if you'd asked them a few weeks ago, it probably would not have been, uh, you know, scoring depth. It would have been something on the back end, but um, kind of, you know, th- th- they're not scoring right now. So it's it's uh, it's a bit of an issue, um, a bit of an issue for them. And I think they're kind of be in... Um, you know, as you said, the middle six. If you if you had to go out somewhere and upgrade, where would it be? Uh, and, and I guess it'd either be in the middle six area, which you'd imagine would be the third line, or um, it would be on your third pairing, right? And uh, I, I'm actually relatively comfortable with what the Capitals have on the third pairing. I think Orpic is, you know, still not good. Um, but they won with that last year, right? And and they have and, and Siegenthaler has looked pretty good so far. So, uh, yep. I'm not uncomfortable there. Yeah, I I would say that defensive depth is sort of always the thing that you come back to, and I don't know that that's really a, a an area of need. In fact, I would I would say that Orpic, and this is an entirely different conversation, but I think Orpic is probably you know, a cap's seven or eighth defenseman. If he doesn't have his, his legacy sort of, uh, booing him in the lineup, uh, which is what I assume is happening, happening. But I, I think you've got guys who are, who are better than him right now, who are sitting out occasionally. Um, and, and, but to that end, the, the whole point is, I don't think they need to target D in this, uh, trade deadline. What I think they need to target is, is the middle six forwards. I think that, Specifically, you can look at uh, the the wingers on the third line in Connolly and Burakovsky, and I think it's pretty easy to envision an upgrade there. And then, you know, we don't really know exactly what the rental market looks like right now. 
Um, but there are some really curious names that are sort of just hovering around that. Like, are we going to sell? Are we going to buy? Are we going to make a push for it? Uh, type teams. I mean, you've got Stone and Duchesne, both in Ottawa, who are, um, you know, uh, marquee guys. But but who knows what the hell goes on with that franchise right now. Um, you've got Jordan Everly and Anders Lee, who are both on expiring contracts in on the island. Uh, both of those guys are really intriguing, and, and that's the team that's that's floating along the line. Um, I personally think there's a, there's a lot to be interested in. There's Matt Zuccarello in New York, right? There's Marcus Johansson in New Jersey. Um, there's Carl Hagland. There's Wayne Simmons, Jakob Silverberg. So a lot of these guys who are who are interesting um, and a lot of them who have torched the caps for many years. I'm thinking specifically about Wayne Simmons, where I think that a guy like that um, with Andre Burakovsky going the other way for a cup, for a, for a, a run at a back-to-back sort of thing, I would totally, totally be into that. And I would say the caveat with all of this is that a bunch of the guys I just named are, are centers and, I sort of look at this with an implicit value that people who play center are going to be willing to move to a wing. And I, I know that that's not necessarily the case. I don't know why I look at it that way. And a lot of the guys that I just named are centers, um, you know, by trade. And, but I think the point stands that if you consider the Caps' primary need as a middle six scoring forward, there's a lot of intriguing names on the market, and I think a lot of names that would represent a temporary upgrade over over what the Caps have going there. Yeah, I think, I mean, all those guys are, I mean, marquee players. Um, for me, I think it just goes back to kind of what we talked about um or what I said a bit earlier, I guess. Well, I I just think it's going to be a seller's market this year, um, you know. And I just think it's it's going to be really tough to kind of land one of those guys um, that's going to make a real difference. And um, you know, you mentioned the window earlier, and I think the Capitals have kind of shown that they don't have any skilled forward depth in the system, um, and the best way to get that's through the draft. So. I'd like to see the Capitals kind of hold on to that first-round pick this year and, and hopefully kind of be able to, to land a forward. Um, uh, you know, we, we've gone back and looked, and the Capitals, you know, haven't taken a forward in the first round since uh, Jacob Vrana in 2000... What is that, 13 or 14? So uh, quite quite a long time now. So It was uh, it was Mac's first pick, I want to say. Yes, yes, you were right. I was at the draft. I should remember what year it was. It was in Philadelphia. I can tell you that, but I don't remember what the year was. So, um, so uh, a string. Yeah. Why don't we we shift gears a little bit? I was having a conversation with my girlfriend. We're out in Seattle, and the All Star Weekend is in San Jose this year. And uh, I know that we've spoken a bit behind the scenes about Alex Ovechkin's decision not to attend this year. And I think we have disparate takes on that decision by him. So do you think it'd be a good idea to talk a little bit about, uh, about Ovi's decision to skip the all-star game this year and, and, and uh, rest up for another playoff run? No, I think it's an awful, no, I'm just kidding. I think it's great. Let's talk about it. Um, 
uh, you know, it's so the, let me let me let me preface this with a, a, a true story, which was uh, in 2008. My dad and I went down to the you know this is kind of relatively early in my like serious Capitals fandom. We went down to the NHL All Star Game in Atlanta and. Uh, you know, that was the first year they did like the breakaway challenge and, and, you know, Ovechkin won and it was, uh, you know, it was really, really cool. Um, and kind of the whole experience kind of, you know, it was important to me as, as like a younger hockey fan. Uh, not that I was that young, but you know, I was still kind of impressionable and, and, and kind of, um, Ovi's still kind of up and coming in the, in the midst of a 65 goal season. And, um, you know, he's kind of been the best part of those events, not only for Caps fans, but kind of for the league as a whole, I'd say, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, you know, he's got a great personality. He's not your typical, um, you know, North American hockey player who only gives kind of the most bland, boring answers. And, you know, he has fun with it. And I think um, I, I get why Ovi isn't going to go. Um, you know, I, I respect that it's kind of his and the organization's decision, but at the same time, um, you know, it, it's in the CBA, kind of like the CBA, this is supposed to be a thing the players like go and do when they get selected. Uh, and, and I now imagine this is going to be like more of a sticking point, not because of Ovechkin specifically, but because we've seen stuff like this with Crosby, um, you know, the, the guys in Detroit a couple of years ago, like this is more, you know, high profile players skipping is bad for the league. And I think it's especially bad for the league this year with Ovechkin not going um, because he's coming off of a Stanley Cup win. If I'm recalling correctly, he was maybe the top-selling jersey in the NHL last year as well. Um, and, and, All those cup patches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that... that I got one. Me too. I, I, <laughs> me I, as I, well. should, I took out the wallet to get an OV jersey with the cup patch on it. Yeah, yeah, I got it the, the day after... Like, in the morning after they beat Tampa. And, uh, you know... I'm just disappointed. I'm not really disappointed for the league because the league makes enough money as it is. Uh, but I, but I'm I'm a little disappointed for like kind of the fans that are going to be going to the event. That were you know some of them were probably going to to see Ovechkin and. Uh, you know, I mean it's a it's a bummer, but he's he's been to seven of these things now out of out of nine nominations. I mean, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he gets to go. It's not like a, it's not like the worst punishment. Well, the Capitals have a bye week after that. That's the part that it's like. Do you really need like an extra three days? The cap. He's not going to play for like. Well, yeah, you know. But I, but I get it. Like you can't tell me that that traveling cross country and then participating in this event in which you are. Are, are a central point isn't exhausting to you. So I don't buy that participation in the all-star weekend is, uh, is relaxing or, or, or time off. Right. And so when I see him taking this time, you know, on the, on the perspective of, a of a fan and, and, and resting for a, for a playoff run. Like I get it. Like how, how many times does this guy get to take that much time off in the middle of a season? Uh, I I'm all for it. And then on a personal level, you know, he's got a screaming ass pants shitting child at home right now that he hasn't gotten to spend a whole lot of time with. And so I understand it on that sort of, uh, more familial level as well. Yeah. I mean, fine <laughs> but at the same time i mean this is a i don't know i i just think it's the kind of thing uh, like, did, yo, I, th- like, I think we both i gave like 
when Crosby skipped, that pissed me off. And it kind of pisses me off that Ovi's doing the same thing. It's like, uh, I'm not going to. So we're on, we're on different levels there, dude, right? Because, like, when Crosby skipped, I didn't give a shit. I just don't care. Like, if that's what these guys want to do, that's fine with me. You know, uh, I, I want to say, I you know, I don't want to speak for you, but, um, you know, to give our, our listeners a, a peek behind the curtain in our Japers Ranked chat, one of your arguments was um, it's part of the business, right? Like yeah. going, going to the All-Star game if you're nominated is part of the business. And my argument is that weighing the possible repercussion of a one-game suspension versus the benefit – of however many days of rest he's getting, that is risk and benefit analysis. This is a business decision by Ovechkin. He's just not making the decision that is in service to the fans. And uh, and frankly, Alex Ovechkin has done more than enough for the fans of hockey in Washington, D.C., which is why when he does something like this, I'm just like, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, it looks like, so the All-Star game is, what, the 26th? So the Capitals don't play. They're, they play the Maple Leafs on the 23rd and then don't play again until February 1st. So, you know, he's going to have a huge chunk of time. Plus he gets the first off since he'll be suspended. So. <laughs> yeah, rest, rest those one-timer muscles, dude. Yeah. Rest them up. You, yeah. you've, got, you've got to score 300 more goals in your career. Get well, all the rest again. You know, maybe he could have gotten a few of those before the break instead of saving them all till after, but... I mean, what does he have? One goal in his last like six here, or seven? And isn't a isn't a Crosby uh, the captain yes. uh, in his stead? I'm sure. Well, it's nice to see Crosby uh, cleaning up after him. It's all right. The the latest thing is that we we get to see all about on Twitter, right? Is Crosby's going to pass Ovechkin in points now, despite having played you know x many less games, but. Whatever, it's a Whatever. versus a Yeah, you, there are two assists per goal. Yeah, yeah my, my argument is is Ovechkin has scored as many points as Crosby despite being a winger. Yeah, and, you know, and don't dur- forget... Dur- durability counts for something. Exactly, durability counts. Durability is a skill, right? Um, uh, yeah, all right, Kevin. Well, we, we can disagree on Ovi in the All-Star game, but one thing's for sure... Um, you know, it, it's good for us to be back talking, um, as, as I'm sure many of our uh, kind of listeners know that follow me on Twitter. Uh, been a little busy recently. I will be moving down to, to Houston here coming up, so it uh, was just kind of a little off. So we should be back on a bit of a more regular recording schedule here coming up. So I hope everyone's kind of ready for more Jabers Rink Radio content here as we uh, chug on through to uh, Ovechkin's time off. Yeah, and uh, I think that there's going to be plenty to talk about here down in the uh, the last couple months. You know, we're, we don't need to dive into it now, but you know, let's tease our listeners with the uh, the the Todd Reardon soundbite where he told the team that the rotation was over and that if you were in the lineup, it was because you deserved to be there. Those weren't his exact words, but that was more or less the uh, the message that he delivered you know, on the heels of this three-game losing streak, directed primarily, I'm sure, to the fringe guys on the fourth line and fringe guys on the blue line. But we'll dive into that more in future episodes. All right. Well, Kevin did a better tease than I would have. So thank you for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.